You are listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at holmesavenue.com. And happy Easter to you guys. He's alive, amen? Aren't you grateful for that truth? Um, well, if you are here for the first time or first time in a while, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors. I'm grateful that you are here with us today on this Easter Sunday. And as we have been, uh, over the last several weeks, we have been journeying through a sermon series entitled, I Am. And we've been looking at some I Am statements of Jesus from the scriptures um, to where he uh, indicates who he is. Uh, we've seen parables of Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we thought it'd be fitting today on this Easter Sunday, the day that we celebrate the resurrection, that we look at his passage, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, Thinking through this passage and what Pastor Walter said right there at the end of that prayer of this promise fulfilled, it was spot on for this today. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a promise that was kept? A promise that was kept. Somebody promised you something, and when you got that promise, you were so excited, you were looking forward to it, and you, you were just waiting for the day. You, you had this hope, this expectation, this joy of what was going to happen for you, right? You were just so overjoyed and moved by it. Like, you, you were waiting with anticipation, and then, and then the day come, and boom, it's there, and just how overjoyed you were. I know for our children, like, if you promise them something, be prepared, because especially Noah, he's going to ask you 75 times in three minutes, when are we doing this? What's going on? Like, he's got this expectation, this hope of what is to come. Uh, Adeline, uh, over in our neighborhood near Otrano, there's a a place um, where they uh, make the the frozen ice cream and they roll it up. They call it Snow Dash. That's her jam. She loves Snow Dash. So if you tell her, we're going to Snow Dash on this day at this time, she's going to ask you about it as soon as you get her in the car and make sure that it's happening before, you know, we even get there. Like, they look forward to it. We're the same way. If we hear a promise that's been given to us, we say, we hear it say, hey, this is going to happen. We wait for it and we long for it to happen with this expectation. And then the day comes and then we're so overjoyed that the reality is there. Like we've experienced what we were promised. For my kids, it's, daddy, you kept your word. We're, we're here. We got to go there. And then also you think about maybe there's a time that you've waited for this promise, this hope, and it wasn't fulfilled. You're, you just, you longed for it, you waited for it, you waited for it, and it just seemed like it never happened. I think there's probably many people throughout the scriptures that knew of the promise of the Messiah that would come, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and they never saw it necessarily in the flesh of Jesus, but God was present with them the whole time. See, here today, we are celebrating the fact that a promise was kept. The most important promise was kept. The prophecies of the Old Testament pointed to the day when Jesus would come. He came. We celebrated that at Christmas. And now today we celebrate the fact that he didn't just die on a cross and was buried in a tomb and forgotten about. No, three days later he resurrected and he's alive. And we're celebrating that resurrection today. Uh, For this passage of Scripture that we're looking at with Jesus, this is the point where Jesus is uh, getting word of the fact that Lazarus is very sick, and Lazarus dies. 
And this is the pivotal point where Martha goes and meets Jesus when he arrives on the scene. And Jesus is the one that tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. And we're going to dive into that today. But before we do, let's stand together and read. This is a short passage today. I want to honor the reading of God's Word by standing together. So if y'all would, let us stand together and read. The words will be on the screen for you. There are pew Bibles in front of you in this translation as well. Let's read John chapter 11, 17 through 27. The Word of the Lord says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God for it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you are so good. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that we gather at this appointed time, Lord, to come and celebrate the fact that Jesus resurrected from the grave. Lord, you kept your promise, a promise that we read about very early in the scriptures in Genesis 3, a promise that although his heel would be bruised by Satan, he would crush his head. Father, we thank you, Lord, that the story didn't end at the cross. We thank you, Lord, that three days later, Jesus resurrected. He is alive. He has ascended at your right hand, and he is there interceding on behalf of the saints, waiting for the day of his return. What a glorious day that will be. Father, I pray now over these next few moments, Lord, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you. Lord, allow the distractions to fade away. Let us hear from you what you have for us, and let us be obedient to follow through on those things. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus declares in this passage that he is the resurrection and the life. Therefore, all mankind must wrestle with the reality of sin and shame. If he can resurrect, he can change lives. He has resurrected, and he will change lives. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. Two points for you today. Number one, the resurrection demands a response of faith. The resurrection demands a response of faith. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you this leading up to this point. You're going to see more of this flesh out when we get a little bit further into the passage. But when I say the resurrection demands a response of faith, I'm talking about, yes, the resurrection event of what took place with Jesus rising from the grave. But I'm also talking about Jesus himself because he says that he is the resurrection and the life. So you can even put there that Jesus demands a response of faith based on what he has done. Let's look again at verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. 
Here he is. He's, he's a rival. He's come into Bethany. He's at the place where Lazarus has been dead for days. And this wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Obviously, he is God in the flesh. He knows all things. This wasn't a surprise to him. His followers that were with him, they knew that word had gotten out to Jesus of Lazarus. I'll pardon that noise. We've got some little interference with the microphone. After he hears this news of Lazarus' death, he, he comes some four days later. Here's a couple of things that stand out to us from this passage prior uh, to this one that we're reading today. Verse 6 tells us that even after he hears of Lazarus' illness, he stays two days longer. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, right? He's gotten word. Like, he loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loves them dearly. He, he, he enjoys. So he gets that news and he's like, wait, okay, Lazarus is very sick. Got it. Okay. Now we know, as I said, he cares for them greatly, yet he doesn't immediately go. Like, maybe say you or I would, right? Like, we would hear the news that, that somebody is very sick or ill and there's something that's going on. And we would probably drop everything in that moment and go, right? I mean, that's usually what happens. When we hear the news of someone we love deeply, we go. But Jesus doesn't. Now, what's interesting to note, and this is on the screen for you, John eleven four says this. eleven four. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. See, Jesus is very clear here. There is a greater purpose to what is happening to Lazarus. It's a greater purpose for those that are going to be around in that moment when he gets to Bethany, but it's also a very important moment for all people that will read the scriptures thousands of years later like we are here today. There's a bigger purpose to it, and he says it will not lead to death, and that may leave us scratching our head to say, wait, Hold on, you're saying that it doesn't lead to death, but the scriptures tell us four days later, you get there and he's dead. Hold tight. Verses 18 and 19 together read, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So it's very close to where they are, right? And so this news comes out, and much like any of us would probably do, we hear that someone's loved one is very sick or has died, and what do we do? We gather with them. We go to consult them. We go to minister to them just to be a listening ear or to help in any way, shape, or form. So the people have come around to do this with them. And then we read in verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha's gotten word that Jesus is coming to them. So she wants to run out. She wants to go and see him. She wants to see Jesus. She wants to talk with him for a moment. Jared, you may need to cut the monitor down. It's a little hot. Verse 21 tells us, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, when we read that, we can sense a couple of things. We can sense the weight of the grief that she's feeling there in that moment. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But also there in that moment, we see something very profound of Martha. We see faith. We see faith. She believes that Jesus is God in the flesh. 
She believes that Jesus is who he says he is. And so when she goes to him, she says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He was ill. But had you been here, you would have been able to heal him. He would not be over there in that tomb as he's been for four days. I know that you have the power to do these things. He would still be here. We can sense the the weightiness of that. Her faith is even further magnified when we get to verse 22. She says that to him, and then she says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. See, we see that there in that moment. And Martha's words of faith to Jesus, it's this strong confidence in Jesus' relationship to the Father. She says, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give it to you. Because you and the Father are one, just as John 10, 30 says. Jesus declared that I and the Father are one. She knows that. She has trust. She has confidence in that, that the Father will answer his son. That's some profound faith there. Verse 23 tells us, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. See, Jesus assures her of something here. And we're going to see in just a moment, Martha's not thinking of the literal time period right there in front of her. She's thinking ahead. Matter of fact, verse 24 tells us, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's got her theology down. She knows the eschatological view of things. She knows, hey, the day is coming when the day of the Lord will happen and the dead in Christ will rise. I know that that'll happen for Lazarus. I know that's gonna happen, Lord. But Jesus is talking to her about that moment right there. Which goes back to verse four. A little bit earlier in the passage, it's not on the screen, but Jesus said, the illness does not lead to death for it is for the glory of God that the son of God may be glorified through it. Lazarus's death is for a greater purpose. It's for the purpose so that God would be glorified there in that moment, so that Jesus himself could prove, I am the kept promise. I am the fulfillment of the promise that God made all the way back in Genesis 3, where the head of Satan would be crushed. I am the one that the prophecies of old talked about. Jeremiah, he was talking about something? Yep, he was talking about me. Moses, yep, talking about me. All of these different things that were spoken of in the Old Testament pointing to the Messiah, Jesus is saying, I'm that guy, and I'm about to show you how powerful I can be. A profound moment for this period of time. So we think through that, and we we think about this idea of the resurrection demands a response of faith. Today, As we think through and we remember and we reflect the resurrection of Jesus conquering death. We see in the scriptures as we see from this passage moving forward, he resurrects Lazarus. He alone has the power to be able to do that. He alone has the power to resurrect himself Easter Sunday. This is an incredible thing for us to think through and wrestle with. I want to ask you a moment to just think about this and apply it to yourself. 
What is your response when you are faced with the difficulties of life? What is your response? Is your trust firmly in Jesus? We may say it with our mouths, but is the, the, the true meditation of our heart that? Or do we just say it because it's the thing to say? It's the, the Christian thing to say. Or do we truly mean it? Do we respond in faith and trust knowing that God is who he says he is? Knowing that because of the resurrection, because of Jesus, God is who he says he is. God keeps his promises. So when things are very difficult in this life or things are hard or we're faced with uncertainty, we don't stop and say, well, I don't know what's going to happen because nobody's in control. No, God is in control and I trust him with every single bit of it. That's the thing we have to wrestle with. That's the thing we have to, to really ask and, and ask ourselves daily and preach the gospel to ourselves over and over daily because the resurrection of Jesus, it demands a response of faith. Martha is responding in faith here to Jesus. I know that you can do this. If you would have been here, he would not have died. You are who you say you are. You and the Father are one. The resurrection demands that response of faith because, number two, the resurrection transforms life. The resurrection transforms life. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Here we have it. Jesus says this powerful truth by stating that he is the resurrection and the life. He is putting the exclamation mark on all the I am statements. I am this, I am that because I am the resurrection and the life. I am who I say that I am because I am God in the flesh. He's the fulfillment, as I said, of the prophecies of old. He's the one that has come. He doesn't just say, hey, I can go and I can resurrect people. Hey, I can go and I can have life. No, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Here on this Easter Sunday morning, we have gathered together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, but we have to remember something, that our hope in this life is based on the fulfilled promise of God through Jesus. That is our hope in this life. So when we have difficulties, when we face things like a loved one passing or, or financial troubles or you fill in the blank, whatever it may be, things that you have that you're wrestling with that are difficult and it's hard, we have to remember that although the struggles of this life are difficult, those who are in Christ have the hope that is living of what is to come. Just like Martha talked about the resurrection in the last day, there is a great hope for all who are in Jesus Christ that have professed him as Lord. There is a hope, a living hope of what is to come. Peter talks about this in his letter to the exiles in 1 Peter 3, uh, 1, 3 through 5. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance 
that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power is being guarded through faith and salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We have this hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. It's not this whimsical hope that we just throw out there and we say, man, I sure hope that happens. No, it's I have confidence that the hope that I have is in Jesus because the grave is no longer full of his body. It is empty. I have confidence that when this life is over for me and I breathe my last, I will enter immediately into the presence of Jesus forever and ever and ever. I have great confidence. I have great hope that when this life is over and this world comes to an end, a new heavens and a new earth will be established because he got out of the grave. I have this hope. We take it a step further and we understand because he is life, death cannot truly take his. He's God. He resurrects. All of us, as I said, we can lose our lives. We will lose our lives at some point. Jesus cannot lose his. In fact, it wasn't even taken from him. He willingly laid down his life. Why is it that Christ is the resurrection? Because he says it. And he gives us something so incredibly powerful for the Christian. Because of his death and his resurrection from the grave, he does as he says. He makes a promise and he keeps it going further. He gives us the helper. He gives us the Holy Spirit of God, part of the Trinity. And that Holy Spirit of God, he comes to the believer. He indwells the believer. And he is our guide through this life as we grow in our sanctification as we grow through studying the word, he reveals things to us. He's not some crazy idea that's just out there. No, he is God in the spirit and he indwells every single person who proclaims Christ as Lord. And that is a free gift given to us. If Jesus would not have resurrected, that would not be the case, would it? Because he is the resurrection, because he is the life, he gives the helper that is with us throughout our journey. John Calvin writes this. He says, they who believe in Christ, though they were formerly dead, begin to live because faith is a spiritual restoration of the soul. And so to speak, animates the soul itself that it may live to God. I'm gonna read that again. They who believe in Christ, though they were formerly dead, begin to live because faith is the spiritual resurrection of the soul. And so to speak, animates the soul itself that it may live to God. The soul is resurrected just as Jesus is resurrected because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He continues in verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 
He responds to Martha with this question. He responds to her in saying that everyone who believes in him will never die. Although our flesh will fail us, although we will continue to decay over time, we will begin to die. We will come to the day of death for us. For the one in Christ, he preserves that life after death on earth into a life everlasting. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Although you and I, every single day, our outer self is starting to waste away. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, no matter how many exercises and clean eating we do, which I recommend we do that, but no matter what we do, there will be a day on a tombstone for each and every one of us with a day of death, that date. And until that day comes for the Christian, although the outer is wasting, the inner is being renewed day by day through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We're being renewed. That's why when we wake up every day, we should look at it as a chance to say, praise God, I have a time to be with you today, Lord, so I can further be renewed. I can further grow in my understanding of you. I get to open your word. I get to sing songs and hymns and praises to you today. I get to do this because you willingly died for me. You redeemed me. What a joy we all have for all who believe. Lastly, Martha says in verse 27, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Here, Martha says that she, in fact, does believe this. She responds by declaring her belief that, yes, you are the Christ. Yes, you are the Son of God. Yes, you are the one who has come into the world. You are the promise kept. You are the promise fulfilled. I believe this. And as we read further, I encourage you to continue reading forward from this passage. We see that the time comes and Jesus resurrects Lazarus. And it goes back to that verse four that we read at the beginning, that the glory of God would be on display. See, when Jesus resurrects Lazarus, he's keeping his word and he's going back to what he just said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's an example of it. Now, we know as we've talked through today, the greatest example of it is the fact that he willingly went to the cross all this week, this past week. We, we had devotionals every day about the, the Holy Week, and we got up to Friday, and we, we celebrated Good Friday with our brother and sister churches at, at, at um, Friendship Baptist we had that time of reflecting on what Jesus has done for us. We had the day of waiting yesterday, and today we celebrate the fact that he's alive. And I have to ask you this question. What is your response to this life-changing news? What is your response I look around this room and I see people I know, I see people that I don't know. And I ask you that question. 
for every single one of us, those of us listening online, what is our response to this life-changing news? Has our life truly been transformed? Has Jesus, the resurrection and the life, has he been the one? He is the one. Have we submitted our lives to him? Have we repented of our sin and confessed him as Lord? Because the Bible is very clear that when the day of death does come, those who are not in Christ, they are separated from God for all eternity in hell. It's not the popular thing to talk about it, but it's the truth of the scriptures, and we're going to talk about the truth of the scriptures. It's reality. It may be reality for you. It may be reality for somebody that you know and you love and care for deeply. But if that is a reality for you, the Bible says that if we would confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God resurrected him from the grave, we shall be saved. And that is true because of Jesus being the resurrection and the life. So what is your response today to that? Are you the one that says, yeah, I know Jesus. My life has been changed. I've asked this question time and time before. I'll ask it again. What are we doing with that church? Are we proclaiming it boldly to our lost friends, family, neighbors, coworkers? Maybe you're sitting here and you say, you know what? I don't know that that's the case for me. I really am not sure that I've repented of my sin and confessed Jesus. I don't know this resurrection and life. I want to encourage you, today may be the day of salvation for you. And we want to talk with you about that. We want to help walk you through what that means, what that looks like. We want to be able to celebrate with you that you may be one that walked from death to life today because of the King Jesus who walked from death to life on that first Easter Sunday. So what we're going to do is this. I'm going to take a moment and let us pray. We're going to move into the Lord's Supper in a few moments, and then we'll sing a song following that. And as we go to pray, I just want to encourage you. I'm going to sit quiet. I'm going to wait here quietly for a moment and let us all pray and reflect. If God is speaking to you in this moment, listen. Encourage you to be obedient. And if you need somebody to talk with or pray with, you can come and talk with me. You can talk with Pastor Walter. You can grab a Christian that you know that's nearby. We want to be able to help you. We want to be able to listen. We want to pray for you. We want to guide you. If you just need somebody to pray with you, be glad to do that too. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll move into this time of the Lord's Supper. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we come before you right now thinking about the truth of your word, thinking of this reality of the resurrection, 
Father, we praise your name that Jesus is not in the tomb, that he is risen, just as he said. Father, we think about that reality and we we praise your name for that reality, God. The reality that you are who you say you are. Lord, that you kept your promise. That you kept your promise that the Messiah would come. That Jesus would come and he would be beaten, that he would be mocked, that he would be flogged, that he would be spat upon. Whipped repeatedly over and over and over, though he did nothing wrong, though he was sinless. He went through every bit of that for my sin. He went through every bit of that for everyone's sin in the world, Lord, through mankind, God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you suffered in that way for us. Truly greater has no love than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Father, we thank you that Jesus has laid down his life for us. Being nailed into that cross and your wrath being poured out on him. Wrath that was reserved for each and every one of us. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? We were your enemies. We sinned against you. God, we rejoice in the fact that after he was buried in that borrowed tomb on Easter Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away and the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here for he is risen. Father, I pray that every person within the sound of my voice knows the reality of the resurrection. That they know, Lord, that you, Jesus, are the resurrection and the life. That they may have life and have it abundantly, have it eternal because of you. Lord, that they may know truly the weight of their sin and the precious life that was given for it so that we may have life eternal. Lord, I pray over these next few moments, Father, that you would have your way. We ask this in the name of all names, the name of King Jesus. Amen.